a listener production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The Elle Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy. So I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights, and tips for turning your passion into a career. Hi. Hello. You look so pretty. Oh my God, you look so pretty. We both tongued our hair the same way. (laughs) You know what? I knew I was getting on on a Zoom with you. So I was like, okay, I need to do my hair. I need to do my makeup. On this episode, I talked to Taylor Frankel, co-founder of the amazing makeup brand Nude Sticks which is all about simplicity and the concept of less is more when it comes to makeup. Taylor started the business with her sister and her mum when she was just 17 and still a high school student looking for products that enhance natural beauty for a fresh-faced nude look. The brand is now stocked globally in Sephora and Taylor is just 25 and kicking serious goals. Ever since we did that masterclass, I can't go anywhere without Oh my God, Sherry. Sherry. It's like my go-to now. Honestly, I feel like we have a very similar like complexion and vibe and that shade is like my go-to like lips, cheeks. Yeah. I first came across Taylor when I was obsessed with her how-tos on Instagram and then I fell in love with the brand. I really want to find out how Taylor held her own starting a business at such a young age in such a competitive industry. And I also want to find out how her childhood icon, Hilary Duff, got involved in the business. A literal dream come true. Taylor, welcome. I'm so super excited to be chatting to you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Honestly, when you reached out to me, I was fangirling. I messaged my mom. (laughs) I messaged all my friends. I'm like, oh my God. Elle messaged me. I felt like that when you replied. I was like, oh my gosh, the Taylor's <laughs> going to come on. I was so excited. Wow. Honestly, I've been following you for so long. I remember back in the day, even when we launched Sephora Australia and, you know, you were kind of like that dream influencer. So I'm so excited to be chatting with you and thank you for always supporting us. Oh, that's so world. kind. Well, the way we kind of start is with a thing called the fast five. So it's five rapid fire questions. The less you think about it, the more honest the answer is. Okay. Don't be afraid. Here we go. <laughs> what did you eat for breakfast? Protein shake. Nice. <laughs> if you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be? Mm, I was going to say Michelle Obama. Yeah, that's nice. I'm into that. Do you have a hidden talent? Tennis. Nice. Describe yourself in three words. Oh my God. Wow, these are hard. Introverted, <laughs> chill. Oh my God. Hardworking? Yeah, I like that. I love that you said uh, introverted. I would never have picked that one. Okay, and my favorite question is what's the last item you purchased? Oh, I purchased a corset um, from this brand called Meow, which is like M-I-A-O-U. I'm very small chested, so I'm like, I need something to like, you know. I love this. Um, so I bought a, bought a corset. <laughs> I like that. You just need to leave it like that. It just There's so much yeah. mystery in you right now. I'm kind of loving it. Yeah, exactly. So for people that are tuning in that don't necessarily know who you are, would you be able to give us just a little snapshot of who you are and what you do? Yes. Um, so my name is Taylor. I'm one of the co-founders of Nude Sticks. Um, we launched Nude Sticks about eight years ago. I launched the brand with my mom and my sister. 
and I'm very passionate about beauty, entrepreneurship, and I'm based in Toronto, Canada. Fabulous. So when you were growing up, were your parents a huge influence on you? They were. Um, I would say they've always been an influence on me, but I don't think I realized how much of an influence they've had on me until my adolescent and my young adult years. Both my parents were entrepreneurs and always had, you know, a very entrepreneurial mindset. And so as much as they impacted my entrepreneurial spirit now, I think when I was younger, I never thought of myself as getting into, you know, an entrepreneur life or starting my own business. Um, But I definitely think they inspired me in many ways. What did you want to do when you were growing up? Um, I never really had one set, I guess, career or specific job that I planned to be. I think that was probably one of my biggest insecurities growing up because both of my parents, my mom is a chemical engineer. My dad never graduated university or college, but, you know, had this entrepreneur life. All of my friends, you know, had a very specific career goal, whether it was to be a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant or, you know, a very uh, specific career path. And I was a little bit more creative and I never really had this one job or, or career that I aspired to become. And so I, you know, nude sticks, obviously I found my way and I obviously, you know, developed this passion for beauty, but I really never had an initial passion for beauty specifically, or, you know, just the entrepreneur life. So it was kind of like just developed as nude sticks develop. But yeah, I was definitely not one of those people who were like, since the age of like six years old, knew exactly what I wanted to be. I like that though. It makes life exciting. Yeah. I was reading about your mom and I know that she developed products for Mac and co-founded Cover FX. And I just would love to know what your earliest memory of beauty would be with her. Because I mean, beauty plays such a big part of all your lives now. What's your earliest memory of beauty? Yeah, I remember when I was younger, my mom working at Mac and working at Cover Effects, she would always bring home her beauty products. Which is like a dream. Um, which is yes. such a dream. <laughs> and so I would say like really at the age of like 13, 14, rummaging through her beauty products as I was getting ready for school and I was entering my high school years and, you know, really becoming a little bit more confident and creating this identity of myself and finding, okay, like what products do I love? Like, what is my identity? What do I want to look like? Like, am I, you know, overly feminine? Do I like even like makeup? Mine involved a lot of body glitter. I'm going to tell you (laughs) that at that age, I wore a lot of body glitter. My mom was like, just stop wearing body glitter. I wore it everywhere. It was not good. (laughs) It's so funny because I feel like everyone has like a beauty faux pas or like something (laughs) they've done where they look back and they're like, oh my God, what, what did I do here? Um, For me, I was like really intense with the eyeliner, like really dark eyeliner (laughs) But I would only wear it on my lower lash line. Like there was no (laughs) eyeliner on the top. And I just remember my mom was like so sweet. um, And I would leave the house and was about to get on the bus. And she would say, are you are you sure you want to go out like that? (laughs) Like she would never say like, oh, I don't think you should do that. Or like, maybe you should go change. It was always like, are you sure? Like you're you're good with how you look. I'm like, yeah, like I think I look great. Well, like, why are you asking? (laughs) You almost have to come to that realization yourself. And then like the little things, like I remember my mom, she would like always direct me and tell me, okay, like just don't overpluck your brows. If there's one thing that you shouldn't do 
right now. And one piece of advice I have for you, don't overpluck because you're going to regret it. Because my mom, she, you know, obviously she grew up in like yeah. the 80s and the 90s. And for her, like she overplucked her brows. Like she has like the Drew Barrymore, you know, <laughs> 90s brows. So she was like, don't touch the tweezers. Don't touch the scissors. Like you're good. Which is kind of ironic because now obviously 90s yep. skinny brows are coming back. I'm keeping so. mine the way they are. I'm keeping a bushy yeah. brow. I have faith in the bushy brow just holding us all the way through. Same. I love that um, beauty played such a big part in your narrative. How did nude sticks happen? How was it born? Yeah. So um, I guess I'll give you a little bit of background of my mom because that will make a lot of sense on how kind of the, the brand progressed. But my mom, she's a chemical engineer. She's been developing cosmetics for 20 plus years. Um, she started her career at MAC Cosmetics and developed another beauty brand called Cover Effects when my sister and I were nearly in diapers. Yeah. And yeah. fast forward 12 years, she decided to actually exit the beauty industry, be a full-time mom. And if anyone's tuning in who has parents that, you know, are entrepreneurs or traveled a ton for work, you know that having that time to be surrounded by your family or your kids is really a privilege and a luxury. Yeah. For her, she was very much like she had this opportunity and this time to really inhale her two teenage daughters <laughs> before we moved out of the house. Yeah. And she had no intention of starting a company with her two teenage daughters. But throughout that time and connecting, we, we understood that, you know, beauty was firstly, something we all loved and cherished and, you know, can talk about. But we had so many different views on what beauty meant to us. Yeah. My mom, she comes from that sex in the city generation where, you know, you'd wake up an extra hour <laughs> earlier to do yeah. your hair, to do your makeup. And I don't know about you, Elle. I know you live in Australia and Sydney, or I believe you live in Bondi. Yeah, yeah. Without seeming too stalkerish. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, I know exactly where you live. <laughs> totally. It's funny when you talk to people, you're like, I know what you ate for breakfast. Yeah, exactly. I watched the video. <laughs> but yeah, I would say like, at least for me back then, like I could not be bothered to spend yeah. an extra 10 minutes on my makeup, let alone an hour. Yeah. And it was at first we we're like, is it just us? Is it just these two Canadian teenage girls who have this philosophy or just like this craving for less is more. But then we would ask around, we'd ask our friends, we'd yeah. stand on sidewalks, like whether we were in Sydney or whether we were in Toronto or New yeah. York or Paris, we would observe the woman, whether she was doing her makeup on the subway or, you know, on the tube, yeah. on a train, in the backseat of an Uber, you know, very seldomly would you see a woman wearing a full face of makeup. And more often than not, you would actually see them doing their makeup on their way to work. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. And that's just real life. And so for us, it was like, okay, there's so many beautiful brands out there that speak to more is more. Yeah. You know, speak to artistry. Yeah. And more coverage and yeah. more steps. And I'm sure, you know, you, especially being in the industry for so long, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, like as much as you can appreciate the artistry and the tools and the steps, it's not necessarily attainable for every single day. True. Right? Like yeah. there are days where you're like, I just kind of want to wear like a little bit of blusher on the lips, cheeks. Yeah. And not take hours. Yeah. I agree. I, it's funny that shift because I even think... I even think it's happened more recently, even with the way, you know, like, I mean, we were caking and baking and contouring, like there was a whole lot of stuff. And I mean, yeah. you felt like there was so much. And I do think even more now, less is more. Yeah. And multiple use products. I think that's another mm -hmm. amazing thing. But so did you have a light bulb moment? Did you have the moment where you were like, we're onto something? 
Yeah, we were actually um, on a family vacation. We're coming, uh, it was actually on a plane, yeah. um, flying home back to Toronto. And we were coming from a wedding. And obviously, when you're going to events and weddings, like you're putting on makeup, yeah. you're looking at product, like you're getting glam. Yeah. And it was at that trip that we all were sitting on a plane. And my mom actually came to my sister and I and she said, okay. Like, this is what I've observed over the past two years. Wow. You know, we need to do this. There's a huge white space. And on the flight, we put together the marketing deck together, oh. the name. Wait, 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 um, stop. I have to, this yeah. is the bit that gives me like goosebumps is the moment where it's yeah. like, when it happens, where did the name come from? So it was interesting because, well, like nude, we always put it up into like nude and sticks because nude for us, it was really important in the name to speak to this idea, like you said, of less is more natural beauty. Um, And nude kind of just embodied so many things. It embodies nude in the sense of the way the makeup looks on the skin. So we want it to look like your skin, but better. Um, Nude, but better. You know, nude in the sense of neutral tones for all skin tones. And then also nude in the sense of really stripping away the layers. Because for us, you know, a lot of what was out there was a mask of makeup, right? Beautiful coverage and beautiful colors, but you're really creating this canvas versus just accentuating what you have. Yeah. So that's what nude really embodies. And then obviously nude in the sense of like vegan and cruelty-free products. So like stripping away maybe ingredients that you You don't don't need need or maybe packaging that you really don't need. True. So that's kind of nude. And then sticks, we, we, our initial concept was just like everything had to be a pencil because everything needed to be multitasking. Yeah. Yeah. And we just, we were kind of going, debating on like sticks with like a CKS or like an X, but we're just like, <laughs> oh, X sounds better. Like, I feel like usually the names are just like, you're just like, oh yeah, this sounds nice. <laughs> I know. And then yeah. you end up to be a global brand and everybody knows it. And you're kind of like, it just happened on a plane, you know? Yeah. Can I ask in that moment when your mom kind of came to you and your sister and you were like, and she was like, I've seen this white space. Were you excited? Were you scared? Were you like, I don't know how I'm going to do this? Or did you just take a leap of faith? What did you feel? It was a little bit of everything, yeah. you know, starting a business, especially at 14 and 17, you know, I so believe, young. Yeah. So young. Yeah. You still at school, yeah? At 17? Yeah. 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 High school. Um, I was in my last year. My sister was in her first year. Yeah. So obviously, you know, as as a 17 and 14-year-old, you have no idea what it takes to launch a business other than seeing our parents <laughs> launch businesses. Yeah. And, you know, really working so hard, you know, all of our lives. But yeah, yeah. it was definitely intimidating. You know, it was definitely scary. But I think at that point, in in many ways, ignorance was bliss. Yes. Because I think if we knew, or if I knew at that stage of my life, what it would take to launch a brand, I maybe would have rethought. (laughs) I know, because how scary is it now? I feel like that now about decisions that I'm faced with. And it's like, you know too much. Yeah. I always say this about Elle Effect. I had no idea about beauty. I knew everything about fashion, but I had no idea about beauty. So I like went into beauty and I was like, come and get me. This is amazing. And I was too scared because I knew too much about fashion. So it's quite funny that you're saying that at such a young age, you didn't know. So you just went for it. Yeah. And, And I totally like, and even for yourself, like I'm sure knowing like everything that's out there and you've tried so many products and you've met with so many people. And in some ways it can be almost more intimidating because you're like, oh, I know exactly what's out there. I know how saturated the market is. And, you know, as much for us, like we knew the market and and we knew how saturated it was. And in many ways, we were very much focused on nude sticks and what, you know, we were passionate about and what we felt was missing versus we know exactly what it takes. We know exactly what's out there 
because it made us really hyper-focused on exactly what we had to do and exact and our vision. Yeah. I think when you're so overly conscious, yeah. overly aware of everything out there, you know, it's easy to detract from that vision. Yeah. So I always yeah. say you've got to stay in your own lane. Yes. Your mom seems like she very much was like, there's a lot of noise, but we've found our lane and we're going to stick in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So how did it go? So you're at school, you decided to launch a makeup brand with your mom and your sister. How did it roll? How did it happen? Was there momentum? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, when we first launched, I so I was in my last year of high school and I remember having to travel. Like I remember our first retailer actually was Space and K. Oh yeah, wow. Yeah, like a, a beautiful uh, UK-based apothecary. And um, they launched Nude Sticks because we pitched them, you know, as like a millennial brand. For us, like... That was our specialty. That was our niche. We were yeah. talking to, you know, the Gen X's of the world. We're like, this is what the millennial wants. This is what we need. Yeah. And, you know, so many retailers, you know, especially older retailers, were looking to bring in fresher, cooler, yeah. you know, younger brands. brands. Yeah. So we were like, okay, we can talk to this. And that's our yeah. point of differentiation. That's our storytelling. Yeah. And obviously to the now, you know, really transcends generations. But back then it was interesting because... As 17 years old, obviously I was in school, but then I would leave for a few weeks because we'd have to travel like the UK to the UK to launch. And then we'd go to New York to launch and wow. we'd meet with media and press. And it was kind of like this weird double life because I was also at the point a little bit, um, I was definitely wary of bringing it up to a lot of my friends because yeah. I didn't know where it would go. Yeah. Right. I was like, oh, I can be like, oh, I'm launching this beauty brand, but like it can like fail tomorrow. Yeah. So we kind of became, we were very silent about it and very quiet about why we were traveling or what we were doing. Yeah. No, but it makes um, sense. It makes complete. I was going to ask that because I was like, you're so young and you are kind of like living a double life because on one hand, you're launching in these amazing, iconic retailers. And then you probably like, you know, went to the movies on a Friday night with your girlfriends. Yeah. So when was the point that you kind of said to them, I've got a brand, like it's doing really well. It was probably maybe like six months to a year in where we were launching our retailers. We had, you know, global media traction, Um, you know, traveling was becoming a little bit more intense. And I had to obviously explain why I was going to be out of school for two (laughs) weeks. But that was kind of the process. And I think at first, obviously, many people are very skeptical, I'm sure anyone who's tuning in, who's starting a business. And it's very hard to explain to people who are very much set in a, in a specific way and, and have a very specific idea of like what your career path or what a career path should look like. Yeah. Even to this day, like I remember looking back and thinking about, you know, some friends and what they would say. And it's like, oh, like what? She's like launching yeah. a brand. Like, what does that even mean? And <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, it was definitely weird at first. And, you know, I think as you know, probably Elle, like you definitely find that people start to understand and start to warm up the idea once you become successful or once you hit a certain milestone. And do you think a milestone was Sephora? Because I know Sephora is a big part of your brand's DNA. And like once you get that tick of approvals from Sephora, it's like you have made it. Sephora is Sephora. It's global. It's amazing. When did Sephora come into the picture? Yeah. So that was about a year in. Wow. When we launched Space and K, they provided us. So in in exchange for three month exclusivity with the retailer, they provided us with three months of exclusive unlimited press. Wow! Yeah, it was amazing because at the time, like we had absolutely no clout. No. <laughs> like other than my mom, obviously my mom's been in the industry for a while, but like still, you know, Sephora is one of those retailers is they're not going to bring in any brand. Like they're not no. going to bring in a brand just because you have a history of 
launching a brand. Yeah. And so we were really building from the ground up. You know, we had no, my sister and I like, you know, we're not, we're not influencers. We didn't really have like a platform. any credibility. Yeah, no, no, it's or true. Platform. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it was very much about yeah. building those relationships. And then when Sephora reached out to us after kind of hearing about the brand through media and, and a little bit of like awareness at the time through Space and K, again, like you said, it was definitely that traction and that, that launch that definitely put us on the map because obviously as you know, Sephora is a global retailer, they have an insane amount of credibility. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would say that was definitely like a major, major milestone for us. Were you still 17 when you went into Sephora? Yeah, I would say like 17, 18. And how did it feel? I mean, I've been in those meetings. Yeah. I've gone into Sephora meetings. It's full on. Do you know yeah. what I mean? There's normally like six or eight people that know everything about your business yeah. and everything about you. How did that feel walking in yeah. as a 17, 18 year old? Like, how did you deal with just being in that situation? Yeah, I would say um, a lot of imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Obviously, it, it was very helpful that my mom was there as well and, and having the experience and having, you know, her on on the table, literally at our table yeah. um, and on our side. Yeah. And, and something that I'd always thought of every time we'd go into an executive meeting, be, meeting with retailers, investors, is, you know, your brand better than anyone else. At the end of the day, you can speak to your brand better than anybody else. You're more passionate than anybody else at the table. So just with that, you know your product better than anybody else. That provides confidence. And that really helped going into those meetings because I I may have not known about many other things and was very confident in what I did not know. (laughs) I was also very confident in what I did know about the brand. And I think, you know, my mom was really amazing. And whether it's, you know, a co-founder or whether it's a mentor, she was always very good at providing my sister with a voice. And so when we would go into those meetings, you know, it was like, we'd go in and maybe, you know, you'd have my mom talk a little bit about the brand and the inspiration. Then she would say, okay, like, you know, Taylor, like, tell us about this or Allie, tell us about this. And so she was always very good at giving us the confidence and, and allowing us to have that voice. So that was definitely a, a huge relief um, going into yeah. one of those meetings. I love that. It's so true because I think you can sometimes find yourself in those situations that are so intimidating, but you know your brand. Yeah. Nobody knows that passion that you have for your brand. And that's what I love about watching your videos. I fall down a rabbit hole (laughs) of watching you applying makeup on Instagram because you're so fluid at it and you're so good at it and everything looks amazing. Thank you. Was social media kind of bubbling under the surface when the brand started? Because I mean, it must have been a huge platform for you to use to sell. Yeah. I mean, that's where I go. To, and every time you pop up and like revolve and stuff, I'm like, that. I'm like, I need to go get a purple <laughs> stick to start wearing purple eyeshadow. <laughs> when did social kind of play a part in the business? Yeah. So we, I guess, started ideating and really getting into product development as of like 2013. Mm-hmm. So we actually didn't even have final packaging yet. I went on, I launched our Instagram account just to obviously reserve the handle. Yeah. We really were grassroots. Like if you think about 10 years ago, yeah. No one um, was really using Instagram as a marketing vehicle, no. right? It was either Facebook or like traditional advertorials, magazines, yeah. billboards. 
Um, so digital was still very new. It was a dirty word. People didn't like it. They were like, what is that? No. You sit and take photos? I was like, yeah, I take photos against a garage door. <laughs> yeah. I've come a long way. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's so funny because obviously it's evolved so much. But back then, like, there was no such thing as paid ads. There was, I mean, you obviously had your content creators and your influencers, but even then it's like, it was very organic. And I think even, I'm sure many bloggers and influencers at the time were just like, doing it as a passion or maybe a side hustle or maybe for product or, yeah. you know, maybe to, to build their own blog or brand or whatever it was. Um, so we were definitely, it was really organic content. I would honestly yeah. take photos of us packing boxes in our basement. Yeah. I would take photos of us getting our first order in. I would take photos of just like our first ever press event. And wow. yeah, like it was really about building this, like this storytelling aspect. And it wasn't even that product focused because back then it's like even video now video is everything yeah. back then yeah. we were like kind of just posted photos and we'd have like I'd put like our products on like a white table yeah. and like we've all been there right we've all been there yeah <laughs> nude sticks to me feels so relevant and so part of the new but it's funny to think that you were 2013 yeah. like it's it's that far back do you know what I mean it always feels so new and fresh to me which I think is an amazing credit to your brand wow honestly that's like the biggest compliment um, you can ever offer because I think it is so difficult to stay relevant. Yeah. There's so much out there and there's a new brand every single day. And I think, you know, we've been very conscious of ensuring that we're not straying from our philosophy, our vision. Yeah. We're very clear on who we are. And I think we've always been very clear. And I think we have always, we've experimented with different content. And I think you have to, right? Like yeah. whether, oh, yeah. you know, even photo shoots, like you yeah. back in the day, it was like photography first. Yeah. Now, whenever we go into photo shoot, it's video first because yeah. social retailers, everyone's yeah. asking for like 15 second content, 15 yeah. second videos, yeah. TikTok now even. It's like, okay, like our strategy used to be Instagram first. Now it's TikTok first. They keep coming. They keep coming at you. So the podcast is called Sliding Doors. And I love hearing from my guests their big sliding door moment. So I would love to know from you, what was your big sliding Mm. doors moment in your career? I mean, I think if I were were to say like a few, I would say Sephora was definitely a huge sliding door moment just because it exposed us to an entirely new community, um, a huge customer base, a global yeah. community as well, because once we've launched Sephora US, you know, we had access to Sephora Southeast Asia, Australia, yeah. Mexico, Canada, Europe. So that was an insane milestone for us, especially as a startup. Yeah. Another sliding door moment um, back in 2015. I'm not sure if anyone on this podcast is familiar with WWD, yeah. Women's Wear Daily. They're a huge industry magazine based in the U.S., And we won an award called Prestige Beauty Brand of the Year. And that was a really iconic moment for us because Prestige traditionally meant luxury when it comes to price point, right? Yeah, yeah. luxury brand. And and when you think luxury, you think Chanel, you think Dior, you think YSL. And I remember at the time asking, and, and I remember we went to the event and my mom said to my sister and I that she's like, you know, girls, like, this is a great experience, but we're probably not going to win. Like, just don't get your hopes up. We're like, okay. And one of the things that one of the editors had said at the time, Pete Bourne, he mentioned, like, you know, what's so beautiful about nude sticks, and that was, you know, in 2015, is is that we're re-inspiring and, um, you know, prestige is being redefined 
It's about relatability. It's about authenticity. And what is the what does the consumer think of luxury today? And that maybe is saving time. Maybe that's minimalism. Maybe that's you know sustainable packaging. So I think that was like a huge sliding door moment because I think it really predicted also what the future of the beauty industry would look yeah, like. That's true, right? Yeah. So and here we are today, right? Like it's everything is less is more and minimalism and multitasking. So yeah, yeah. I just love the fact that it kind of has evolved and you've grown into this amazing beauty boss, but it just that you stayed in your own lane and you've moved forward. And I just, it just was your destiny. I think it was. And I, I mean, I'm addicted to the product, so I'm just glad they're in my yeah. life. <laughs> you even touching on sustainability. I mean, we did a masterclass the other day with Sephora Australia and just hearing about the consideration that goes into all the packaging and everything that is that product is kind of, it's incredible because I think a lot of brands, like you said, are popping up. I mean, new beauty brands seem to pop up a hundred a day pop up. Your take on the brand was right from the beginning. And I think that one stick, the minimalist packaging, everything, it would have been quite scary back then because when you think about packaging, I even think about press kits that I was getting, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like five years ago, they were so full on, you know what I mean? And I, Mm -hmm. I remember getting yours and I remember the little case the little tin with the mirror in it. And I was like, there's something really chic about this. You don't need all yeah. the other stuff, but you've stayed true to that, which I think is is really, really amazing. Oh, thank you. You touched on imposter syndrome before. Mm-hmm. Do you still kind of suffer from that now or you block those voices out? Where does that sit with you now in your career? Yeah, I mean, I think I have a fair share of it still to this day. I think, I think as females especially, we're very prone to imposter syndrome, but I would say I've definitely become a lot more confident. And as my role has evolved as well, I think coming to the table or coming to those meetings, I feel a lot more confident in so many different aspects and, and parts of the business where I don't necessarily need to put on that face or I don't need to necessarily think of myself as going on stage as like a totally different person because just by being obviously more confident and just myself and like my role and and our vision, I'm just seeing less and less of that. So I think it's definitely difficult, especially when you're first starting off as a brand, when you're so young. Yeah. But I think by firstly surrounding myself with an amazing team, they're so, so incredible and smart and um, in so many aspects of the business, but then also, you know, coming of age, like I was 17 years old and I'm 25. And I think like just maturing as like an individual and, and both professionally and personally, I definitely feel like I, yeah, just a lot more confident. So did you yeah. study at all? I did. Um, so I was at university for about a year and a half. And when I entered university, I was so I was studying business and okay. I thought, okay, like I can juggle both. Like we don't yeah. know where new sticks is going to be in like five, 10 years from now. Like I should probably get a degree. Yeah. And have a backup um, plan. Yeah. Just in case. <laughs> exactly. I was like, okay, you know, and I should probably do this. And after a year and a half of being in school, I decided to just, I call it a sabbatical, but it really is kind of like I dropped out. And it was just to pursue nude sticks because I was finding it super difficult to do both. And I remember getting advice from a mentor of mine at the time. And I remember him saying, you know, your accounting class in business school will always be there, but this opportunity with nude sticks may not. And I really took that, you know, seriously. And I said, you're right. Like if I ever wanted to go back to school, you can go back. School will always be there. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. But like this opportunity to really build nude sticks and launch globally and travel and build a brand with my mom and my sister, it's it's very rare and very unique. So yeah, I decided to just say, okay, 
So I know you've got your mum and your sister as your support in business, but was there a time where you kind of were like, this is too hard, I can't do this, like, no, see you later? Was there ever a time that you thought about giving up? Yeah, I mean, I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah, I do. Um, On the weekly. So <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know, every morning. No, I, I would say, like, definitely when I was younger, I had an overload of so many doubts just because at the time I also was experiencing a ton of like mental health issues. And I think like between the ages of like 17 and 22, I definitely had my fair share of like anxiety and depression. And so it just became a lot. Like my world was almost, it almost felt like it was closing in on me. And I felt like I couldn't bear the responsibility of, you know, leading a team and building a brand and launching new markets. And it was very intimidating to me. And as much as I had my, and thankfully I did have my mom there with me and yeah. being able to, you know, definitely give me that confidence. And also she definitely gave me some tough love for sure. And I think I needed that at the time. And yeah. something I always look back on is as much as I struggled from a mental health perspective and definitely had those days where I felt like I could just give up then and there or, you know, not pursue nude sticks anymore. I think nude sticks also in many ways gave me a purpose and and provided that meaning that I needed to wake up every single day, to work my ass off. And listen, if I had a bad day, I had a bad day. And like, you know, but at least like that next day, like I knew I'm like, okay, we had our moment, we had our day, it's a new day. And knowing that when you're launching a business, like it's never going to be perfect. And there's always, always, always undoubtedly going to be days where you're going to run into many issues, yeah. but I think I've learned to appreciate those days even more so. Um, and I know it sounds super cliche, but like it is a learning experience. Oh, it is. Yeah. And like, it's fun and like absorb it and like use it as a story, use it as a moment to like look back on and to say to yourself, oh my God, like this is what we overcame. True. So yeah, just a short answer. I definitely <laughs> had those days, but <laughs> Yeah, it is how you move through them and then how you reflect on them. Do you know what I mean? And I think with um, the lovely social media world that we live in, everything does look shiny and bright and and very new. But what do they see? Like 10% and then the other 90% is you behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Not looking all shiny and glossy. It's quite funny. And I think that's what people appreciate about this podcast is amazing people like yourself actually sharing the stories that it isn't, you don't make a product and you walk straight into Sephora. You know, like there's a lot of grit that goes into staying around and and making something amazing. Yeah. I'd love to hear about the good, which is the pinch me moments. I mean, the brand is incredible. So I would love to hear some of the pinch me moments that you've kind of had along the way with nude sticks. I So I grew up in, I mean, I'm born in 96. So one of my like icons growing up was Hilary Duff. I love that. Yeah. Proud and loud. Hillary Duff supporter. <laughs> Hillary Duff. I love you. And I like was obsessed with Liz McGuire. Like obsessed. I, I think I had it. every single birthday. I had a Liz McGuire cake and I had her posters and I went to every single concert. Like it was a little, I, it was a little obsessive. So in, I guess this was a few years ago now, um, a marketing agency. So one of the founders, her name's Allison Statter. And she introduced us to Hillary and she actually provided Hillary with a ton of product and Hillary just became obsessed. She was like, Oh my God, I love this product. You know, she's a mom. She's a businesswoman. She's an actor. So for her, she's like, I need something that's going to like 
get me up. Like I can just boom, boom, boom in the morning, put it in my diaper bag and get out the door. And so she actually came to us and she asked if she can invest in the brand. Wow. Um, And so she invested a few years ago. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a full circle. Yeah. Yeah. It was insane. And like, I remember... Well, when she first inquired about investing, yeah. you know, obviously we were super excited and we didn't think she'd want to like do anything else. We're like, she's like, okay, like I just want to invest in the brand and obviously I'll support you organically. Yeah. But she actually wanted to do like a whole collab. Wow. And we're like, what? Like you actually want to do like a full like collaboration kit? And she's yeah. like, yeah. Like, so my mom and I, when we were in LA, we actually went to her house and we sat like in her living room. Were you dying? Were I you like having a dying. moment? Yeah. I was dying. I remember and like Hillary, if you're listening to this, <laughs> she's probably cringing. But when I went into her bathroom, I like remember just texting a friend of mine. I'm like, oh my God, like I am in Hillary Dad's bathroom. Like I am just that's just a very chill moment for yeah, me. Yeah. But yeah, she was so sweet and she's such a genuine and authentic person. It was like honestly a perfect collab. And yeah, she just like pulled product that she loved from her, from her vanity. And she said, okay, I want this in a nudies and I want this in a lip color and I want this in an eyeshadow. And she designed everything and it was really a dream. So that was definitely a cool moment for me. I feel like we're in a safe space. So I need to tell you two things. Okay. One, I've followed Hilary Duff around the Rose Bowl flea market. Oh my God, stop. (laughs) And then secondly, when I went to Kim Kardashian's house, I went to her bathroom and called my best friend. And I was like, I'm in the bathroom. (laughs) I think I took a tissue because I was like, I'm in Kim Kardashian's bathroom. Oh my God. I don't know what it is about a bathroom. We're like, this is a very intimate place right like and her bathroom it wasn't like you go to my bathroom and you're like oh this is the bathroom you go to her bathroom and it's like a bathroom closet vanity like it's it's this insane yes that like almost room it's like just a it was I, a my room. Bedroom is the size. It was yeah, a, it, it was, was a, a giant room. room. I did. I think I yeah. did a full photo shoot in that bathroom. I was like, I'm never going to be yeah. here again. I need to yeah, take exactly. all the photos in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's just funny. I'm going to dwell on that for the rest of the day. That both you and I were in people's famous people's <laughs> bathrooms so and had moments. <laughs> <laughs> I know we touched on it before, but sustainability. I mean, it's been such a huge part of your DNA for nude sticks. And it's been such a a strong part since the beginning. And was that your mom or was it you guys being so aware of the environment or how did it weave its way right from the get-go for the brand? Yeah. So it's interesting because, so my sister, Allie, she is 14 years old. She's always been very eco-conscious. Like when she was back in elementary school, I remember she was a part of her environmental club. She wrote a letter to our prime minister telling him to um, stop cutting down our woodlots to build suburbs. Oh, wow. (laughs) She was very active in the environmental community. And um, when we were launching Nude Sticks, I remember we went to retailers and we bought a few products of, you know, other brands and we just were observing packaging. And after unboxing all this product and throwing it in the trash, my sister looks at the trash and she said, you know, if we're going to launch this brand, can we ensure that we have a sustainable packaging system? Because look at all this waste. Like, it's beautiful. And to be honest, like so much cost of what so many brands spend goes into packaging. And as beautiful as it is, you know, it doesn't necessarily have a function. So that was why we developed our tins, because firstly, our tins are reusable. Yes. So you can reuse them for like bobby pins, hair ties, jewelry. Yeah. But then you can also um, recycle them because they're made out of tin plate, okay. which is like an infinitely recyclable material. Which is great. So it's like just like little things like that. And then even with the pencils, like even our pencils, um, our OG pencils are made of like 
um, wood from sustainable forestry. And you also sharpen it to that, you know, you only have like a little butt at the end, so you're not throwing away as much waste. And everything's PVC free. Like all of our packaging is PVC free. So yeah, even with skincare, we just launched recyclable tubes and biodegradable boxes. Which are great. They're amazing. It was such a big part. When you said that, I was like, this is so cool because you get to the end of things and you just throw it out. You know what I mean? But really... It needs to be recycled. There's too much waste. Yeah. And especially in the beauty industry, it's like you saying, I mean, for some reason, yeah. you, I think we were programmed that you needed all of this packaging yeah. for it to be luxe, but it doesn't, it actually does it less is more. It really is yeah. funny that it is now that we've changed that kind of pattern that we, the way we think. Right? It's quite funny. Yeah. So what is next for you? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, we're just continuing to evolve. I think what we've noticed over the past few years with COVID, um, firstly, we need to really hone in on our philosophy of less is more and minimalist makeup because that is our bread and butter. And I think our white space is becoming smaller and smaller. So really ensuring that we're owning that message and that raison d'etre per se. And then I would say going into next year, you know, really having a strong like digital first strategy. So Obviously, we have like a ton of retailers globally, but when COVID hit, we actually lost, I mean, all of our retailers shut down at the exact same time. Yeah. And I'm sure like for so many brands, it was extremely challenging, especially when you rely so heavily on brick and mortar. Bricks and mortar, yeah. So we like pivoted. We like, as much as we had like a digital platform, like D2C and our digital you know, retailers weren't as large of a business. But now we're really honing in on digital. Yeah. We're revamping our website. We're investing a ton to, on nudesticks.com. And then we're also focusing a lot more on like a, a variety of different social platforms. So like TikTok is going to be like a huge focus for us going into next year. Yeah. And yeah. And then obviously like just brand innovation, product innovation, finding ways to continue to evolve like with our current collections, like nudies, for example, complexion. Um, and continue to find like even gaps within existing categories, like really having a focus on like shade range as well. So, you know, very attentive to our community. Like, do we need to expand whether it's complexion or whether it's nudies, like always asking them, like, what do you feel like is missing? You know, where do we need to add? So going into next year, we're also going to have like a huge shade expansion. Oh, cool. So yeah, that's just... That's exciting. Yeah. That's a little snippet, a little bit that you can tell us. (laughs) Yeah. So for somebody that's looking to start their own career journey or even start their own business, what would be your tips to success? I mean, I really like what you said about, you know, just staying in your own lane. I think there's one perk, I think, of also being in Toronto. I don't know if if you feel this way being in Bondi or in Australia, where you have the ability to really focus on your on your brand and yourself without being distracted by how much is out there um i think it's really important to continue to just have this raison d'etre which can be like your reason to exist your emotional your rational reason this very clear vision um and then really you know stay true to what that is and try not to deter from that just because you know there's a trend or maybe you know you want to get you know you have this finite idea of like how you're going to grow really quickly you know, yeah. and I think being in a mindset as well as like building your brand, like this is an infinite game and you're continuing yeah. to evolve, you're continuing to grow and it may not be, you know, quick. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's such thing as a overnight success story, although you have your one in a million, Yeah. but 
you know, most likely you're going to be at this for a very long time. So ensure that firstly, you're doing what you love. You're very passionate about it, but also know that being an entrepreneur and launching a business, you know, isn't definitely not all roses all the time. And as, as glamorous as some make it seem and how it is fun, there are like 75 to 80% more and then some of businesses that launch and fail. So the ones who really succeed are the ones who firstly can like adapt, can, you know, problem solve super quickly and that, you know, um, continue to persevere regardless of like those obstacles, because it's really those who just, yeah, you got to pivot. You got to pivot. You got to keep pivoting. I feel like I've done a full pirouette this year. (laughs) Honestly, though, like even with COVID, like that was, you know, for us, like we were um, trending so well and then COVID hit and we're like, oh my God, like, what do we do? Wow. Yeah. It's scary, but you know, you just surround yourself with a great team and hopefully when you're building your brand, you know, as if you're building a brand on your own, it it can be very lonely. So having a mentor surrounding yourself with, you know, some really amazing people um, will definitely help throughout the journey. I love that. Taylor, thank you so much for being here. You, I mean, I've been obsessed with you for a while, but being able to sit down and chat with you is so amazing. And I am a huge fan of the brand, but just to have started your career so young with so much passion and drive and vision is really, really inspiring. So thank you so much. That's so sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson. Producer, Tina Matalov. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Listener.